This is the Football Ramble. They're good, but can they do it in 30 degree heat in Cologne? It's Tuesday, the 11th of August. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Andy Russell. I was worried about bringing up the concept of heat again at the start of this podcast. (laughs) But luckily, Luke's not here to um, take the piss out of me. So you guys will have to do. How's it going? Are you ready for that? I'm also hot. So (laughs) (laughs) I'd be a hypocrite to do so. Yeah. Jim's got to the age and stage in life, actually, where he buys T-shirts he likes twice, haven't you? I have, yeah. I, I'm, uh, yeah, that's a conversation we had um, earlier on, isn't it? You, you like my t-shirt, and it's, it, to be fair, it's the only time I've ever done it. But maybe I will be doing it. A few I think it's a good idea. Up. It's very, it's very grown up, isn't it? To say I like this, and I'm going to get it. Well, twice I saw it was going case... out of stock. I mm. thought, well, you know, eventually this t-shirt will fade um, and and die, <laughs> as everything you love does, yeah. inevitably. Yeah, yeah. Let's not forget that for a moment. <laughs> um, so I've got an opportunity to to extend its life, and I've taken it. So. You know, if I could sign two Pierre-Emerick Aubameyangs, I would. Mm. And that's the closest I'll get to that. I have to, I have to pull you up on that. The football ramble will never fade and die. That's true. That's Aww. true. Come on. Go on and on and on. Come on. And on. And, and Ariston. <laughs> <laughs> Who are now called Indesit. So even oh, that's faded they? and gone. Yeah. Why? Mm. It's oh, taken a turn very early, isn't it? Like, <laughs> isn't it? I really thought that was just a light-hearted observation. Yeah, we hadn't we hadn't even got onto the road and we'd taken a turn, ploughed straight into a wall. But there you go, it's a football <laughs> ramble. Anyway, it's a good T-shirt, as is yours, Andy. Thanks. <laughs> green, ramble green, which is what we like to see. Yes. You can say I look nice too if you want. Yeah, you do look nice, you but look Kate, it's really not very much of an audio feature, is it? So... <laughs> <laughs> Ah, should we talk about Cologne then? <laughs> Before we collapse. Um, Manchester United are through in comprehensive and decisive fashion, having whooped Copenhagen decisively, conclusively, absolutely. <laughs> Longly. One nil in extra hotly. time. Yeah. I was, re- I was so annoyed that they got that penalty so early, just in terms of the actual spectacle of it. Not that I have any sort of, you know, particular issue with Man United going through, but like it, w- it had been quite a cagey game for a long time where Copenhagen had set up to frustrate them, obviously. And like when that happens, it's quite boring for most of the game. But then when you get to like halfway through the second half, you're like, actually, this is, this is suddenly great. It's become really heroic, and, mm. and 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 Copenhagen really really dug in, and their goalkeeper um, Johan Jonsson was having a having an exceptional game. I think he got even better after the penalty. But like, when when did I get a penalty so early in extra time? It's like ah, oh, you got the little cherry of little carrot rather of, of penalties. It's probably not going to happen now, and I just it kind of you know it, it popped the bu- bubble, popped the balloon a little bit. You know when you realise it's hot. Is when Bruno Fernandes doesn't do his little jump yeah. before taking the penalty. He's like, oh, no, I, no, I, I can't. I've got, I've got nothing left in the tank. Do you think it was just literal time? I mean, he did look knackered, but did he it- did. I mean, I think, I think Vish pointed out on on Twitter he should join a union because he's been absolutely flogged since he's he's, he's arrived <laughs> at, uh, at Manchester United. And I, I think that's that's absolutely right. It's easy to forget how much they've leaned on him yeah. and at some point you've got to pay the bill for that haven't you I mean, I think Manchester United in general have looked tired for a number of weeks and you know they're not yeah. the only team who uh, are, are in that place and I, you know I said it with Wolves the other night if you're if, if you're winning a knockout tie 
I don't think you can even care about the manner at, at this point in the season, can you? Yeah. Because it's, it's it's just so deep into the season and it's, it's so long. But, you know, I, th- I think you saw it with Marcus Rashford as well. Rashford is looking kind of uninspired at, at, at the moment. And for, for such an intuitive, intelligent footballer who maps out the game in front of him whilst running at extremely high speed... It, when you lose a bit of that luster, it's, it's, yeah. it's very, very noticeable, I think. Yeah, very much so. Um, that said, I do think on another day, United would have won that really, really comfortably. They were just a little bit unlucky. Well, I think it's goal chronology. <laughs> like if they'd have scored a, a little bit earlier. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because Greenwood and, and Rashford had to, had goals ruled out rightly right. for being offside. Definitely but offside, yeah. Mason Greenwood was fairly... Yeah, I suppose he was... He can he finish was, is the point I think you're making. Yeah. And, it, and even if Rashford was a bit off the pace, they've definitely got someone in there. Yeah. Who can, I don't know if you heard on the BBC, they were, said, they were talking about him, Phil Neville was on there, and he was like, oh yeah, he's like a combination of, of Rooney and Rude Van Nisselrooy, and I can't remember someone else. And I was like, Jesus Greenwood. Christ, the child. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a, that's a really funny one. But the, um, the media never bigs up people. No, especially young English players. Never. Actually, he seemed to have, he seemed to have escaped that for a long time, didn't he, Greenwood? But I think that's in full flow now. That the, the high hype train. Um, so hopefully, you know, he's not ruined by next summer um, when I'm sure he'll be selling loads of shirts for England and so on, etc. But yeah, like, I think like it's tempting to look at this game and think United weren't very good and they scraped through it. But actually, it was it was just one of those games where Copenhagen did defend incredibly well and there's mm. a temptation to look at this game as if it's almost like a group stage game because it, it you know it's Man United against against Copenhagen. You know, it doesn't mm. feel like a quarter final. But, um, yeah, I think but they, was, they were there on merit, obviously. Exactly. And, uh, you know, that it was a surprise that they beat Bajikshir here, a team who got a lot more money than them in, in, in the first place. I, I don't always want to bring it back to, to money, but it is about wages rather than transfer fees. Mm. And I think Nick Harris pointed out um, that Manchester United's annual wage bill for the season just gone £330 million. Copenhagen's 19. Wow. Yeah. And if you look as well, this is not the strongest... Copenhagen side that w- that we've seen in recent years. They've lost a lot of players over the the, the, the past couple of years. Now I, I don't know. We don't really know the effects of the transfer, the, the pandemic on the transfer market yet. So maybe they'll struggle to sell players as well as they have in previous years, and that lets them hold on to those players and sell a soul back and can rebuild something. Who knows? But then again, it might mean they have to sell anyone, everyone because they haven't got any money. We really don't know which way it's going to go. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, it's not an outstanding Copenhagen side. And whereas, you know, I think you look at Jonsson, you look at Falk, who both had really outstanding games, um, you know, they deserve a lot of credit. But Incredible. I, I, think, I think United are going to not unreasonably attract a little bit of criticism for not properly blowing them away. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they're in the first, they're in the first ever European quarterfinal, Copenhagen that is, um, and uh, first for any Danish team as well, which gives you a sense, since 1997, gives you a sense of the kind of quality of the Danish league, mm. basically. Um, and the heroics of Kalyonsa were so, so great to watch, as you're saying, and so good and attritional the way they were setting up to defend but yeah. I guess on your point about transfers and the comparative wage structure of the two clubs they just if you've only got people who can defend and you don't yeah. really seem to have anyone who can uh, put it in the back of the net 
the lack you're of quality. You're not going to win, are you? <laughs> like... No, it, it was really obvious, wasn't it? Even in the terms of like the, the out balls, when they were trying to just get it out of defence up to a winger and they they would just hit them too wide or hit them too long. Just even those little bits you need to do to even give yourself a sniff of nicking a goal. They just didn't seem capable of. It's like when you... It's like when you're playing FIFA and your team is like one star and you're playing against a four or five star. It's just like the, the the player can't do the same stuff, and it was it was really noticeable. So I kind of I lost hope that they might kind of nick a goal and make it interesting quite early on. But defensively, it was incredible. That last ditch tackle right at the end. Um, I forget who it was on, uh, possibly Fernandez, but um, that was that was pretty special. And um, Stalas Albaken in shorts. Is that hot? We saw a manager in shorts. <laughs> It, it, it did. It did look like a, a dad going on a camping holiday. Yeah, an he? angry, like a, a a dad who's a policeman or something, <laughs> like a quite scary dad. <laughs> I'm now having a little rethink. Yesterday we were mentioning what Pirlo, Andrea Pirlo is going to turn up to wear in his first oh. game as Juventus boss. Open shirt, a glass of wine, short, a little short with those little turn ups. I don't know what I don't know what the phrase is for that, but in this gentleman's tailoring. But I can actually see that. I'm trying what, to put off a little short. You know what? Do you guys saying yesterday that you can't see? Pirlo wearing a tracksuit. Tracksuit manager. I, he can carry it off. Oh, I mean, sure. I mean, I, I, I think to, to me, always the most incredible thing was when I started ca- uh, covering like European matches involving Italian teams is when you see them going in or coming out of the stadium. I remember um, Milan. You remember the year where they beat Arsenal 4 0 at San Siro in the Champions League? Yeah. And in the. Re- Steady. <laughs> and in the in the return, Arsenal beat them three nil yeah. and put the fear of God into them. They walked out of the changing rooms at, at the Emirates that night, and they still look really cool despite the fact they were wearing tracksuits. Yeah, and it's like oh, only a Serie A team could yeah, do this. Some, only a Serie A team things, could do this. Just any sort of cloth hangs well off of an Italian man. It's just a rule. <laughs> I actually feel bad that you guys missed out on Pillow yesterday, but I'm sure there'll be plenty more uh, glorious discussions to come. Well, at least until November, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Give him a bit of time. I am intrigued by how this is going to pan out. I really, I know it's covered extensively yesterday, but I'm really looking forward to Pillow's Juventus and, uh, you know, success or disaster I'm going to be glued to it I think yeah yes. just last word on this uh, game Kalle Janssen I was I sort of assumed he would have played for Sweden uh, Sweden national team at some point but no do we think this is a platform for a big move he's 30 the goalkeeper well, that's not old for a goalkeeper it's not it? old so, is it so, so yeah. why not I mean it would be so unlike a football team to, just... to watch a player have a good game on television and then think yeah. let's bet the farm on him yeah, yeah. let's get him in it was one replace of the... Dean Henderson at Sheffield United <laughs> probably not there but it's one of the sort of better goalkeeping performances I've seen all season you don't have yeah. to argue he didn't really he have much of a the, chance of the he penalty he made all like, kinds of saves yeah he, he did and also he was close to the penalty he just yeah. Fernandes just hit it really hard yeah, he's quite good at them, isn't he? Turns out. I think I think you're right though. I don't, I think he did um he dummied that he was going to do the little step, didn't mm. he? And then he didn't. And I think that's what took it past him. So we're definitely in the in the camp of he used it as a ploy to not do the step yeah. rather than he ran up to it and he thought, oh, I can't. God. <laughs> I just can't. I think it can probably Give be both. Give me a drink. It can definitely be both. <laughs> the close-up shot of him didn't make you think, Christ, this is a man it, in his His eyes down. were like sunken into his <laughs> yeah. head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, a little sideshow to this game, I guess, is the Jaden Sancho saga. Uh, Bristol Dortmund most recently have insisted that he will not, he will not be leaving this summer. Mm. Sporting director Michael Zork says he will play for us next season. United, on the other hand, for him, he's their number one target. He's agreed personal terms. Now, I always find this an interesting one, Andy. Personal terms 
doesn't seem to mean that the deal has progressed right. into anything like a full... I mean, he, he would have agreed personal terms in principle months ago. Yeah. So it, it doesn't really mean anything, as, mm-hmm. as, as you say. And players agree personal terms in principle with other clubs through intermediaries all the time. I, I don't think it really means anything that apart from, yeah, if, if you... If, if you get your ducks in a row, I'm interested. Yeah. Right, it's basically that, just saying he's he sort of likes United, broadly speaking. It's as little as that. Yeah, I, I would I would say it's an Instagram-like. Ooh. Maybe it's not even an Instagram-like. Goodness. <clears throat> I don't know. But I, I think the interesting reveal, really, in this Michael Zork thing is not the fact that he was, you know, taking a public hard line or anything like that, but the big reveal, the, the fact that there was talk last year that they had extended Jaden Sancho's contract for an extra year mm. and given him an enormous pay rise. We've never officially confirmed. And then Zork comes out and says, yeah, actually we did do that. And he's contracted to 2023. And it puts everything in context because while people have been saying, well, they want to be careful because next summer he's only going to have a year left on his contract. Mm. Well, that's why they've been able to take this stance because yeah. that they always knew that they had this up their sleeves. The sporting director and alien warlord, Michael Zork, is, is playing <laughs> 4D chess here, isn't he? He's so good at this because I think, you know, when he says Jadon Sancho is not going to be leaving the club, it's very similar to when he said Usman Dembele is not going to be leaving the club. And he's done this a few times where they've... It's not the same thing, though, is it? Because, because they've got him to extend the contracts a year ago, I think that says a lot. It says a lot about how the relationship between Sancho and Dortmund is of far greater strength Mm. than with Dembele. Or the other one that's been brought up is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Mm. The reason they ended up selling them, A, because they wanted to and they extracted great value for both of them, we have to say, but also because their behaviour had become pretty unbearable. There's there's not even been a hint yet of Jaden Sancho doing that. Now, that's not to say we don't know what's around the corner. He, he could, and there could be people around him who want to say, look, ask for a transfer, kick up a stink. And, you know, mm. Miguel Delaney su- suggested in The Independent that, that there is a growing belief, certainly in the Manchester United camp, that if this deal is going to get done, he's going to have to ask for a move and he's going to have to dig his heels in. The difference is we have had, between this and Dembele and Aubameyang at Dortmund, we've had no indication that that is the case. They've been really, really good for each other, yeah. Dortmund and, and Sancho. Yeah, definitely. Because at, at the moment when uh, Jaden Sancho originally went to Dortmund, there was quite a lot of question about whether this was like an un, it was an unusual thing. It was seen as an unusual thing to do at that stage in his career. Sometimes, as we know in the UK, things that are written about football can be or said about football can be a little bit insular. And it's like, you know, why is he off to Germany? What's going to happen there? But I the think react- it was a good sign of how well Pep Guardiola's adapted, actually, to English football. The fact that he reacted to it exactly the same way as Fred or Allardyce would. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you left Manchester City. What? What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But, but it's turned out well for him, as you're saying. Yeah. Very well. But isn't, isn't Zork saying, look, we're not going to sell him? Just um, effectively him saying, look, we are not not messing about we get we get big money for players if you want to sign Jaden Sancho yeah. this isn't a negotiation it's going to cost you 100 million or whatever it is we say mm. that's, that's kind of there on the table even in the context of now yeah because think? I think we all know this is going to rumble on and on and like and Dortmund are going to have to dig in their heels to keep him probably all summer if 
you know, if they are, that is their intention. Because they do seem, they they like to, to do this, don't they? To make huge profits on players and then keep reinvesting. But I guess at mm. some point, if they're going to, you know, wrestle the league off Bayern, they've got to maybe have a little, they've got to pause that for a bit, you would think at least. But You know, this is the first time ever I thought that Jim might be Uli Hernes. <laughs> <laughs> the way he came out with that it was like well if you want to win the league you can't go on selling players forever that's exactly the sort of thing that Uli Hernis shouting through a rolled up magazine from his retirement yeah. cottage yeah. would, rolled would up say banknotes <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. but uh, the main thing is in the meantime Borussia Dortmund's social media team are having a, an absolutely super it. time, aren't they? And, you know, people are obviously commenting below, oh, well, if, you're going to look like idiots if he eventually <laughs> signs for Manchester United. It's just fun. Yeah. Just enjoy just, the moment. Yeah. Also, he's, he's got a lovely smile. So let's make the most of it. I mean, I reckon he's one of my top five smiles in football. Really? Who, who stands out as your first? Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. It's a good smile. It is a Dortmund thing. Alexandre Patu, he was a good, he was, he had a great smile. Oh, what a smile. This is a real insight into Andy's, the hierarchy of need, maybe. Mm. I, I don't think I've ever thought about my top five footballer smiles. Wilfred Zaha, got a good Whoa, smile. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, an underrated smile. Yeah. But is that smile more valuable to Crystal Palace than it is to anyone else in the Premier League? <laughs> That's the question. I would say so, because he always looks surprised. He just always looks surprised in some way, Wilfred Zaha. And then when he smiles, it, it lights his face When he's been flattened and he doesn't get a free kick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really racking my brain here, guys. I'm obviously alone. Um, should we talk about the other game in the other half of the draw then? Inter go through after beating by Leverkusen. Mm. The kind of Manchester United rejects likely to meet United. I'm not predicting this, but probably this, that is the favourites yeah, for happen. the final. Uh, United Inter. Which should be exciting to see. A little comeback, a bunch of comeback kids taking on the the mighty Manchester United. But last night, let's talk about the game. This game was mad. It was <laughs> it was absolutely mad. It was it was the complete opposite of United versus yeah. Copenhagen, which generally took the sort of direction that you thought it would. And like I said, it was quite consistent with United's efforts of like keeping going despite their tiredness in recent weeks. And that they did a fantastic job in, in that respect again. But this was well. I, I suppose Inter and Leverkusen doing whatever is very much to to character as well. Inter should have won this about four or five one, mm. Mm. and yet they couldn't finish them off. I mean, Lukaku who had a, another wonderful game. He had the bizarre situation of twice standing over a penalty, having what two three minutes to like think about it and. You know, them them going on on commentary. Well, this is a long time to wait to take a penalty, and in the end, he didn't, didn't end up taking yeah. either of them because yeah. they got taken back. It's, it's fine. It, yeah. Lukaku's goal was f- phenomenal. It was almost like a like a bit of a novelty. Like, how is that not a penalty for one thing? <laughs> like, he was basically being dragged down, but managed to just score anyway. It's like I tell you what, I'm good enough that I can just score this now. Let the ref play the advantage. Just unbelievable, like feat of, of of strength and composure from him there to finish that. I mean, yeah. it was it was a brilliant sort of battle between him and and Tap Sober throughout throughout the game. Like, really, Quite really a absorbing. One sided battle, would we say? 
Well, Taps Hobart did his best, yeah. <laughs> in, in, in fairness. I mean, I think that says a lot about how good Lukaku is at the moment, that Taps Hobart's been brilliant since he's joined Leverkusen. And he was just really struggling to hold it in. Of course, Lukaku could have had that other goal at the end where I didn't really feel like there was much in it when he went past Taps Hobart. There was more of them grabbing mm. each other. And Lukaku was just better than him, got past him. And it would have been a fantastic solo goal because he ended up putting it in before it was uh, chalked off. So on, a, on another night, he could have had... He could have had three or four. But yeah, I, th- I think you can't overstate what an amazing season he's he's yeah. had. And what I think as well is that so much of that stuff that, that, that people used to poke at him when he played for Manchester United, like his touch, he can't hold the ball up, all that, all that sort of stuff. He's embraced all of that stuff. And, and to me, that suggests less of a fault in Lukaku and more of a fault in the way he was coached and managed at Manchester yeah, United yes. because he's willing to do the stuff that's not necessarily his strong suit. And I've seen him live a couple of times this season and it's been the same the whole way through. There are times with Inter where they'll just play a straight ball up the pitch and, and he'll just have to get on with it. Yeah. Probably it's the first time since they've had Ibrahimovic that they've had a player who can who can deal with that sort yeah. of, sort sort of role, and and he's he's fine with it. He's fine to work on the stuff that is is, is not is not his forte. But I think if you, if you go back to a lot of Lukaku's moments, like the way he played against um, Brazil for Belgium in the in the twenty eighteen World Cup, mm. he is way more intelligent a player oh, than God, people yeah. give him credit for. I mean, he is as intelligent as strikers get. I feel as though that was recognised at Everton, though, and then he came to Manchester United, and he just didn't. Well, there were times at Man chance. United where I felt like he was—he just looked unstoppable, didn't he? Yeah. He would go through streaks where he'd mm. be sort of unplayable, and all of that stuff um, that you're alluding to earlier, Andy, like about you know the technical quality of his touch and the things he's criticised for not having were very much evident. And it's interesting that Conte has managed to get. Uh, seemingly get the best of Lukaku for a whole season, mm. which for some reason. It just didn't seem to work at Man United, which was well, sometimes bizarre. players just need a little bit of love, yeah, oh, don't they? I, I mean, I felt that a lot about a lot of the players in that time at Manchester United. Yeah, what well, it, it is amazing, isn't it, to see how many of them have flourished, flourished. elsewhere. Yeah. Ashley Young had yeah. another unbelievable game; he's been incredible for them. Alexis Sanchez picked up what seemed like a hamstring injury. So yeah, he I, didn't look healthy. Yeah, yeah. but it'd be Although interesting everyone was to kind see. of lying around, weren't they? Yeah. The, doing that leg drain thing. Oh, that was mainly in the Manchester United game after extra time. But, you I'm, know, doing that, holding your, wiggling your legs along yeah, to I, try and get them to work again. I, it's one of my favourite things in football where you get an opposition player helping Help. someone <laughs> out with cramp. I feel like I've always got one by you two playing through my head <laughs> like, when, that's, when that's happening. It's like a Banksy stencil. Oh, that's lovely, Jim. All right, so yeah, 2-1 the final score on the night there. Of course, the situation with all of these European games now is that they're uh, single-legged, much like Mm. most of the Manchester United players at the end of their game. (laughs) I thought I'd hate that, but I don't mind it. Yeah. Yeah, I quite, I quite like it all just going into 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 one game. I hope I you say that, Jim. But where are the penos? Where are yeah, the penos? Yeah. This is it, isn't it? Yeah. But someone pointed out on our Twitter as well that uh, maybe the reason I'm so fond of the uh, the double leg, double leg, the, the two leg affair is, of course, that otherwise last season Champions League final would have been Barcelona Ajax, wouldn't it? If it yeah. stopped after, although oh, that would have been fine with me. Clearly, people play differently depending on the setup yeah. of the oh, one versus yeah. two legs. So yeah, that Lukaku goal. 
a lovely bit of skill and strength Nicola Barea put into a head after 15 minutes. And then, of course, there was a Leverkusen goal from Kai Havertz, the possible Chelsea player. Um, subsequently announced, Leverkusen's Peter Bosch announced that he would actually join Dutch Minnow's Heracles, so... His former club. Yeah, I love that. Bit, gonna... of, bit, of, bit of Bosch bounce there. Yeah, because it was put to him, wasn't it? Like, yeah. as he played his last game for the club. He's like, yeah, he's off to Heracles. All right, nice one. <laughs> so the, the thing is, like, with eagle-eared Chelsea fans, or whatever you would call them, they, they, they would be thinking, oh, that's so us. Sign a player and then loan him to a Dutch club. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not so, sure that's the Dutch club you'd choose, though, is it? Well, well, no, there's one particular Dutch club that you choose, isn't there? But, um, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I like that. So Bosch has closed the door on Kai Havertz. We don't need to talk about him anymore or thinking about him. Although actually on the point of smiling footballers, Heracles then posted up a little announce photo. He did look rather charming with his smile and... I'm not sure he was complicit in the It's been news to him. Um, also quite interesting to watch Inter in the context of um, the Serie A title race next season, I guess, for, for yeah. people who have now taken a strong interest in the fortunes of Juventus. Well, the, 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 the thing is, I just think if if you're Conte, you think at this moment with Pirlo getting the Juventus job, I think whatever my beef is with the board, mm. let's bury Stay. it. This is let's bury it. This. Yeah. This, this, this is my season. Yeah, surely. Yeah. So it'll be so interesting to see. Um, yeah, last little note before we go to the break is from Robin Van Persie, who we actually saw on BT last night offering his uh, various views on matters. But he is now going to be coaching at Feyenoord. But the the quotes that he offered, I don't know if you guys saw, hmm. he said he's going to be helping out, but he doesn't quite know what his job is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, for all the pain <laughs> Robin Van Persie has caused me, he's never struck me as someone to be like sort of, you know, a disorganised buffoon. <laughs> but like, <laughs> this kind of like... What what's happening here? Why does he know if he works there or not? If you don't know if you work somewhere, do you keep turning up? He went on to say, "It's a win-win. I'll find out whether I like doing this. This I'm putting in inverted commas, but he did not, and I'll help the staff a bit." I mean, he's trying out coaching. Yeah, essentially, yeah. isn't it? He can sort of do what he wants. We are at the point now where footballers have earned so much money in their career um, that those recently retiring, he can just he can just do handstands for the rest of his life if he wants, can't he? He can do anything. I don't know why I've gone to handstands. But just, you know, he <laughs> he really can. He also said he wants to see Wolves win the Europa League. Yeah, that was it's cute, like weird, wasn't it? given that Man United <laughs> is still involved, but there you go. Really? Yeah, he, doesn't care. he doesn't care now, can do whatever he wants. I, I suppose that there are, there are two elements to this. Firstly, his, his son is in the academy mm. at, at Feyenoord. And secondly, he said, well, Dick Avocar made me. Right. right, didn't he? He said, "You can't say no to Dick." He did say that, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. So, it was chilling. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, you can't. Right, um, <laughs> guys, we need to get to a break now. Um, so, so let's. We've got the topics coming up. We're going to be talking about Berry Football Club and looking ahead to Robin Van Percy's backed Wolves. Guys, welcome back to the Football Ramble. Jim and Andy here with me at the moment and we are going to be concentrating now on the topics. We concentrate on the topics. <laughs> We're pretty good to many topics today. <laughs> Yesterday I did a sort of dance and was yeah. roundly mocked. 
that I was just delivering a new See, style. I was, I was just listening to that in the queue to the post office and I, I thought they're exaggerating. It can't be that bad. <laughs> It can't yeah, be that I, bad, can it? I didn't even, I legitimately didn't even realise you were referencing that. So it just, I just accepted that you were flailing. <laughs> I was I getting really ready to why. administer first aid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now extremely warm as well, so that was a mistake. Uh, right, we are concentrating on the topics. What would you introduce to, the topic this week is, what would you introduce to your own summer football tournament? Apart from fans, both real and um, that make cold air happen. So, before we start, Dan Wilde has sent us a message. Thanks, Dan. He says, just sat in a meet. Oh, thanks, guys, he opens with. Just sat in a meeting on my first day back in the office and my boss mentioned going through the topics. Now, I have a strong suspicion here, Dan, that your boss is a ramble listener here, trying to catch people out. Anyway, it worked. Burst into laughter. Imagining my boss with Daniel Farker's voice couldn't bloody well stop laughing. <laughs> Disastrous return to the office. Needless to say, I hold all of you personally responsible. That's more on Daniel Farker than it's on us. I yeah, that's argue. a great point. Or actually you, Dan. It's, it's your own decisions, aren't they? Um, but still, I hope it's you've not still his decision got a job. to laugh. I get that's true. No, it's involuntary. Yeah, I've heard this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, you put your water down, Jim. You've got mm. a topic to tell us about. I do. It's from Greg Byrne, who sounds to me like he um, should be a, a radio DJ or someone of note. It's a good name, Greg. Mm. Um, I hope it's working well for you. Strong. Um, so Greg says, uh, what about a moat swimming pool around the pitch that goes up to the line and includes the goal? There's a bunch of floats tethered to the bottom of the pool that the players and managers have to stand on, like at a water park. Uh, imagine Steve Bruce trying to stand upright while his float keeps moving, or a player trying to take a corner when they can't get momentum. That would be tough. We might not... Uh, we might have to get drone linesmen, though. I'm not sure if Michael Phelps can swim up and down the pitch for 90 minutes while also being in line with the <laughs> I think that might be a challenge even for him. Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, I like love that. this. Yeah, I, I especially like the actual goal having a little pond in it, effectively. Yeah. That's quite fun. I mean, it, it does It's just really... like football pitches in the 1970s in winter, basically, yeah. isn't it? It doesn't really add anything, yeah. but it's it's a nice novelty. It's a sort of strong, it's a knockout vibes, I think. Yeah, but I mean, what... You just get a bit wet sometimes. It's not really going to change the game that much, is it? But wait, does is a goalie? Where's the goalie standing? Is the goalie kind of leaping out of the water or on one of these floats? No, well, he, if he's on his line, he should be all right, right? Like, like oh, so he can't go in. If he goes into his goal, he's in he's, the moat. Yeah, he's going to fall in. You know right. when you get like a, a sort of pool with a family in it and there's like a, a large inflatable flamingo or swan mm. or something yeah. like that? I, I would imagine... The goalkeeper is standing on one of those. That. Or just I mean, maybe just ma- getting better like Jordan better. Pickford at the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. Oh, those unicorns. Yeah. He's, he's exactly, exactly the sort of goalkeeper who would do that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's an excellent one. Um, I guess the, on the downside of it, you would need quite a lot of admin to make that work. Yes. Some of the suggestions we've been receiving have been more like you could implement them tomorrow, whereas that requires a bit more thought and effort well you know if you go to um, the Estadio Jose Avalad Sporting's ground which of course is being used as one of the grounds for the Champions League that does have a moat around the pitch between oh, right. the between the pitch and the sand so all you'd have to do is fill it up with water perfect I, I don't know if they've got a hose pipe down in Portugal at the moment but um, Actually, it's a good only point. one way to find out because at the Tottenham Stadium they've got you know it's like rakes so it goes down from the pitch so probably you could do it there as well yeah Oh, guys, I think Maybe we've got, got our venues. So why does the stadium in Portugal, that I'm not going to try and pronounce, have, have a moat or proxy moat? I, I guess so fans don't run on the pitch. Right. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Weird that only one stadium has that. 
that fans on the pitch could definitely feature in the summer tournament. We've got Agent oh, Agent Kale Duper. I don't think that's your real name, Agent. Um, but he's on Twitter and he says, or she, extra time doesn't end until someone wins. Split it into 15 minute chunks with unlimited subs, including players that came off previously. Now, I don't know about you guys, but after last night, I am not really no. keen for that. See, I, I, like, <laughs> I like penalties if, if a team I'm supporting isn't involved. I think generally that the spectacle of it, you still get, it's still really intense and it's a great thing to watch. And I know that like a lot of people hate penalties, but I think... I think if anything, reduce extra time. Make it ten minute half. Yes, like, nice. Just especially in or two know. or like two, mm, you're not getting much two done minutes. in two. <laughs> <laughs> Four minutes of extra time, absolutely breakneck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, maybe not. Uh, what's your one, Andy? Um, Stephen McNatt uh, has got an intriguing one here. All players on the roster, roster, roster. American, I guess, is roster. Mm. Yeah, they say roster though, don't they? Do they? Yeah, they do. No, come on now, NBA man. Roaster. They, they say roaster. No, that's coffee. That's for coffee. Coffee roaster. It's not for. No, them. they they say they say roaster. They say we've reinforced our roaster ahead of the playoffs. What are you talking about? That is exactly what they say. Wow. I thought it was a roster. Is this is this a different? Presumably, this is a regional thing, depending <clears throat> on who's saying it. In My America. mind is blown. First of all, and second of all, are you having us on? <laughs> no. No, genuinely. Anyway, back back to Stephen's uh, email. All players on the roster <laughs> must be used on the in the group stage. Uh, would make mm. for some interesting lineups and strategy. I like that. Yeah, I like that as well because you, you've got to really find the balance, haven't you? And you've got to, you know, if the first game doesn't go to plan, then you oh, could no. you could be all over the show. What, what do you, what do you do with your third goalkeeper as well? Imagine if you've got. A, I think you. All the rubbish gets dumped in the middle game, yeah. doesn't it? In a in a in a in a cup competition, Definitely. doesn't it? Uh, in a, in, a, in a group stage. So you just think, uh, can you imagine England versus Romania mm. in Euro two thousand with whoever was the third choice goalkeeper? It wasn't Nigel Martin because Nigel Martin was second choice, wasn't he? Um, sort of playing left wing or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do you think you'd have to? I guess you'd have. No, you wouldn't have to do that, would you? Well, you, maybe you could. Oh, I mean, well, you might think to, that's a good idea. Yeah, if if it's a complete dead rubber and you just need to get out of the way, yeah. then why not? Or would it would it be like you've had in like the well, it's 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 it's, it's not the checker trade anymore, is it? The um, checkertrade.com. The the, the 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 rubbish trophy that um, is it not checker trade anymore? No one's into. No, it's the leasing.com trophy, of isn't it? Yeah, it yeah, yeah. Is. So maybe you'd have to do a thing where you've got a load of those players, like the reserves, starting, and you sub them just like 10 minutes into the game or whatever yeah it's i like it because it would be insane it would be uh, it would be really interesting to see how the um how the managers dealt with that the world would have, would have played at the world cup he would have you've had to you've had no choice oh, i really like this what would be cool would be if you could actually also involve all the backroom staff so you'd have everybody on your roster um and also your manager your what playing or like playing having to play? Yeah, no, no, no. Like they'd have. have to play, so you'd have to get them all in. Every Could... single person involved with the the, the tea lady, the <laughs> <laughs> the mascots, <laughs> the band. No, never the band. <laughs> Hate the band. You're really against roaster because it's extremely hot, aren't you? Yeah, I think it might be that. Yeah. I yeah. think you're just roasting us here, Andy. <laughs> Jim, you've been thinking about your own summer tournament. I have. So obviously. Um, 
time is 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 unusual this year because of um, so much football needing to be squeezed in before the Euros, and also something people complain about in tournaments, especially as they get expanded a lot, is the amount of dead rubbers towards the end of the group stages, mm. and that is just a factor that's that's inevitable, unless <laughs> sixteen groups of three, um, all group stages are one game that takes place between three teams. Right. So you'd have to have specialised three-sided pitches, which are a thing. Oh, well, everyone's on at the same time? Yeah, three teams playing in one game. That's the whole group stage. Brilliant. So that's how I'd have it. That I sounds think... extremely dystopian. It, yeah, it is quite dystopian, but um, that's the way the world's going. So I'm just going <laughs> to lean into it. Um, <laughs> three-sided pitches, you're telling me they're a thing? They or they're are, a thing you've it's, made up? It's very much a novelty, but I be, like three-sided football games have happened in the past, not in any sort of professional capacity, obviously, obviously. but I think you win it by conceding the least rather than scoring the most. I'm not exactly sure on... So it's like ranked, effectively? Effectively, yeah. yeah. And I think you can just get a whole group done in a game. I think get a whole group stage done. Interesting. The outcome, I'm very much pro. The execution, I have more questions. Well, but it would be it'd be fascinating, wouldn't it? If you've got three real quality teams that are really good on the ball, um, you know, say you've got like a, a Spain, a Brazil and a Germany in there. Like, can you imagine that the what that would psychologically do to the tactics of the fact that you've got such you've got even less time in the ball than you normally do because you've got two other teams bearing down on you. How do you do you mark do you it's, mark Messi in a situation like that, or do you do you let someone else mark Messi from the other team? Like, <coughs> I would, I would just, lo- I'd be fascinated to see how three-sided football plays out. It's a little bit gladiator, though, isn't it? That you've got to get. Surely, two of the teams want to team up with each other yeah, to take out Messi, exactly. and then it's about forming alliances across bad guys. Brazil. You're yeah, selling bad it, guys. You're selling it like Big Brother, essentially. <laughs> yeah, or Hunger Games, I guess. Yeah, something it's, like that. It's funny. What what is reminding me of is. You know that occasion, it was, it was pre-season, like probably about three or four seasons ago, when um, Bayern were in New York. I think it was when they were opening their New York City office. And they had a game on a pitch by the Hudson where it was um, like 40 uh, kids under 10 against no, yeah. Arturo Vidal and Xabi Alonso. Wow. I mean, that was that was pretty good. And the thing is, they divvied it up really well because um, Xabi Alonso had obviously said, well, look, I can hit a sixpence from anywhere yeah. so if I just do that and you're Arturo Vidal so you're presumably fine with two footing loads of <laughs> under 10 kids and, and that's that pretty much what he did it's a player isn't it yeah <laughs> oh my god I'm not I'm not sure that's something to be yeah. encouraged but that is a classic like would it would one Harry Kane be a hundred children in yeah. a game of football or how many what's the, what's the ratio you need and they, they've answered it sounds like I, f- uh-huh. I feel like a lot of those ten year olds became men that day and <laughs> 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 some harsh lessons about life <laughs> no guys we but he s- probably took him out for a drink afterwards yeah so it's fine <laughs> We want to skip out of the, well, I suppose this isn't really the football league, is it? Um, This is just uh, a figment of Jim's febrile imagination. Mm. Um, We're going to talk briefly about Berry Football Club for a moment because um, they've just been denied the chance to rejoin the the non-league pyramid for the upcoming season. Uh, And what's been said is that the Alliance Leagues Committee, which also sounds fairly dystopian, doesn't it, would welcome an application from the club to join for the 2021-22 season. So they haven't closed the door on Berry, but the couple of the elements that in their statements related to concerns about the leadership of the club of Steve Dell. Um, what is interesting in this, um, I guess within the context also of some of the things 
that we're not sure about exactly that are happening at Charlton, where the EFL have turned down three prospective new owners of uh, Charlton Athletic Football Club. So they seem to be trying to make sure that people of uh, prospective owners and directors are a little bit more, I don't know, not hopeless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the fact here is that Steve Dale has, over a period of time, proved himself to be. Just like, first of all, a wild man, um, based on some of the things he says on the website and, and generally, uh, but also that he was accepted into the English Football League previously. But then this lesser committee, in terms of uh, status, yeah. has said, guys, this man, this setup is not going to work. Even yeah. they won't deal with him. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an embarrassment to English football. He is an embarrassment to English football that won't go away. And um, it's, it's something that I, I guess until Berry get to the point, or I guess Berry AFC get to the point where um, not only they're upwardly mobile, but they get to use Gig Lane again, which so seems like sorry, quite a long the, way off. Sorry to cut you up. That's the Phoenix Club that's been launched yes. separate to to Berry, uh, who have, have been accepted into uh, Northwest Counties Div One. Correct. Div one, yeah. Uh, Div one north. Div one north. Right. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, they're they're sharing it. They're sharing it at Radcliffe, aren't they? So um, they've they've got a plan. Um, they were bringing out their new strips last week, so people can go and buy the kit now and get involved. And obviously, it gave me some AFC Wimbledon type feelings. I mean, yeah. it was it was interesting because I, I read one of the. Um, uh, one of, one of the people who's involved in the setup of Berry AFC saying it's it's different to. AFC Wimbledon and FC United because they they were a protest and we're not a protest. This is this is the only way we can get on with football. But actually, not to be pedantic, but it was, it was one of, one of my friends was saying um, the the other day, um, Charlie Talbot. He he was saying actually Wimbledon didn't have an option mm. because the club is it's the same thing. Like the 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 club chose to take itself out of the community, yeah. wherever that be geographically or ideologically, it's the same thing really. Now, FC United of Manchester was a protest. It was a protest against. It was a protest against modern football, essentially. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't wasn't it? It was it was, it was something quite different. But um, yeah, the the people behind Berry AFC have had have had no option, and I, I think. It's it's put into such stark relief, as you say, Kate, because so many shady characters have been in charge of English football clubs, and it's always the beyond last resort when a, a club like ceases to be part of the structure, isn't it? Mm. You know, and on one hand, you know, we we want to see we want to see clubs survive. Of course, we want to see clubs survive, and we don't want to see fans let down. On the other hand. You know, there's got to be a limit to the sort of stuff you can get away with in terms of the way you treat employees and suppliers yeah. and all that sort of stuff. It's it's really interesting to me that um, it seems that we're at such a point now where the complications of, of quite how reckless some club ownership can be have got it to the point where the Phoenix Club <laughs> seems to be sort of relatively drama-free in comparison. And it just seems very ideologically pure that they want football in the town. When they've got so much to do, to, like to set up a football club. Yeah. Like, you can't Where imagine. would you start with that? Yeah. So like strips, players, or, uh, immediately you think about like getting a coach and getting some players. But th that's like the thin end of the wedge, really, yeah. isn't, it? I isn't it? All the other stuff is just... And it's still less complicated than fixing the, the situation at, at, at Berry. 
Yeah. Which is, it's fascinating. Well, the theory it's still, it's still less complicated than reading one of Steve Dale's statements. Oh my goodness me! <laughs> uh, I mean, on that petri dish of vermin that is the oh internet, according to him. Yeah, that's what he said, didn't he? I think the, the first we've got it here in the running order, but the first um, first paragraph um, of, of, of a thing headed um, a statement from the chairman said I never wanted to be a board position uh, I never wanted a board position rather I assumed Glenn Thomas who introduced me to the, to, to the Berry would be chairman the board felt it uh, felt due to his close association with Mr Day the fans would not like it I initially refused but eventually agreed to take the post until we could get a football person which is you know fair and honest but it's like if, effectively in the, it, the first paragraph in a statement from the chairman is like I don't really want to be chairman I didn't think I would be but we're sort of here now it's like, oh god he also does that slightly disconcerting thing of capitalising random words that we have seen <laughs> in various other famous Twitter users. Also, as a, as a supporter of the only team in English football who's allowed to have the before their name, how, oh. do, you, how do you feel about the berry? I, you, know, you, you may have heard that I sort of choked on it there <laughs> saying it because that is that is that is ours. Personally, I I still think Arsenal should only be referred to the Arsenal by Terry Neal. Yeah, and Andy Townsend. I always loved that Andy Townsend. Okay. Had a lot of criticism as a pundit, but he would always call us the Arsenal, and I always liked that. Yeah. Capitalise the. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It depends how you pronounce it, I guess. That's such a Tottenham perspective. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how how the vermin fit into the petri dish, just as an aside, because I think of them as being quite small, whereas vermin is like rats and things, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a, it's a very, yeah. it's not even a mixed metaphor, is it? It's just a mixed idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. It's it's um it's a sad situation, really. That that oh, it's a hugely sad situation for the club, full stop. But as it rumbles on, and there doesn't seem to be a way of of solving this relationship uh, between you know, the various governing bodies and the club itself and the chairman uh, and some erratic things that, that seem to come out um, from Barry. So we want to keep an eye on it. Um, and, you know, always feel free to get in touch if you if you know things about this that, mm. we, that we don't know uh, at Football Ramble on Twitter and obviously on the email show at footballrambledaily.com. So we're almost on our way out of here. We have survived. <laughs> Jim is a pool of sweat currently, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's all fine. Just a word, a glance ahead to uh, Wolves against Sevilla tonight. Let's not forget, this is Wolves' 59th, 59th game of the season. It's been over a year since they first started playing uh, competitive football in a league. Let's not also forget, I know we talked about a lot before, but they play with very few uh, players, generally speaking, but they've yeah. also just had... Um, a sanction placed on them for this next season, which says that they can now only include a maximum of 23 players in their list A for participation in UEFA competitions. Doing that to a Nuno team, though, <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit like saying to Wolves, right, you can only wear old gold next season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not going to stand for anything else. It, yeah, he's looking at, the, at that going, oh, that's way too many. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? That's the punishment. <laughs> So, I mean, myself and Robin Van Persie would be delighted to see Wolves win the Europa League, but Sevilla <laughs> are obviously a bit of a tough uh, opponent here. Andy, what do you think? How do you think this is going to go? I know it's you know hard to make a prediction, but Sevilla are, are, a, are a difficult, not ideal opponent in this in this game, right? No, they're not, and they're they're in really good form as well. They've not been beaten for eighteen games. Um, they've been brilliant since they've 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 come back from. 
from the shutdown and um, Hunan Lopetegui, who could have end up, ended up managing Wolves, actually, mm. but um, it, it didn't happen and they got Walter Zenger instead. Um, it, he's really started to prove himself for the first time as as a club manager because he's, he's really looked like a good club manager before, you know, his, his best work was with Spain, even though, you know, when you say someone's best work, when they got fired from the two biggest jobs in Spanish football in the space of six months, yeah. <laughs> it sort of puts everything in perspective. But look, uh, they've, they've got, they've got a lot of options off the bench. Um, they're still full of energy. They're a pretty young team. Um, and, and they're really, really good defensively. I, I think it's pretty hard for Wolves. Well, Robin Van Persie will be sad to hear that, Andy. But that one's kicking off tonight at 8 o'clock on BT. Also, Basel against Shakhtar Donetsk. Does it matter which way around you say it? No, I don't, I don't think it does. I think it's important to point out, though, that RVP will be back in Shakhtar after <laughs> Wolves go out tonight. <laughs> All right. I didn't know he had such a close line into the man himself. Lovely, lovely to hear. Guys, let's head out then into the petri dish of vermin that is the outside world. <laughs> Tomorrow on the show, it's Jules, Vish and Pete. So, say goodbye, Andy. Goodbye. Goodbye, Jim. Goodbye. Goodbye, guys. Catch you next time. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.